or there's an opportunity to grow and improve their business, Brandon and Ashley Bonk are there. This young farming couple from Magnolia, Delaware, started with nothing in 2007 and have since grown the business to 5,500 acres, always with the goal of being efficient and profitable. My name is Chris Torres, your host of the Young Farmer Podcast. Thanks for listening. Earlier this year, Brandon and Ashley were named Outstanding Young Farmers by the Outstanding Farmers of America organization. I visited the couple last week during a break in the potato harvest and talked with them about growing the business, venturing into new opportunities, and what they've learned along the way. I hopped in the buddy seat of Brandon's John Deere and rode along for the potato harvest, and you can check out the photos from my visit at AmericanAgriculturist.com. All right, we'll sit back and relax, and here's my conversation with Brandon and Ashley Bonk. Brandon, how you doing, man? Good. Good. Doing well. Tell me a little bit about your operation down here. Uh, so my wife and I, uh, we have a row crop and, um, and a potato operation. Um, we farm around 5,500 acres. Um, probably about 60-70% of that is center pivot irrigated land. Um, it's all along eastern, uh, eastern Kent County, kind of out to the Delaware Bay and, and up and down the, the uh, county, maybe 25-30 miles north to south. So we've been in business now, I think, around 11 years, I want to say. Graduated college in 06, started farming, I think, in 07 or 08, and have kind of grown it from kind of zero to where we are now in the last 12, 13 years, I guess. been a few more than what <laughs> it goes by so fast. <laughs> out of those, um, out of that acreage, um, in terms of your, we're, we're um, for those, you know, obviously nobody's going to know this, but uh, Brandon is, is harvesting potatoes today. How many acres of potatoes do you do? Yes, I think this year we had um, around 270 acres of potatoes total. Mm-hmm. Um, and 40 of those are for chips. So they get shipped to places like Hers, uh, Utz, um, and some other smaller regional chip places. Hanover, you take them to Hanover too? Uh, Han- is it Hanover one of the companies? Not, not Hanover the company. Okay. There's a lot of, there, I think there's some other outfits in Hanover, Pennsylvania that process Okay. Um, I think one of them's dirt. It's called Dirty Chip. I think. Okay. Yeah. It? Sure. Yep. Sure. And sure. Some of them, other places up there, and then uh, so maybe 225 acres, roughly, is table stock potatoes. Mm-hmm. So they're yellows, reds, whites, and russets. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple different varieties of each of those colors. Okay. Um, and they get shipped uh, mostly to a repacker in mm-hmm. uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, some go up to. Um, Massachusetts also. Okay. How about your field crops? Tell me about your field crops. How many acres? How do you split that acreage up with your, with your uh, corn and soybeans? See, so this year we've got a little over 3,000 acres of, of corn. Um, we had about 14, 1,500 acres of uh, wheat. Mm-hmm. And uh, had 1,000 acres of full season soybeans, mm-hmm. um, which would be double crop, or the wheat is double cropped with soybeans as Got well. It. So that 1,500 acres now is harvested wheat and planted back into double crop soybeans. Mm-hmm. And we also grow, uh, we have about 70 acres of sweet potatoes mm-hmm. that are for processors, and they go to Hanover Foods in Hanover, Pennsylvania, and okay. Center Hall, Pennsylvania. Okay. So they get turned into things like baby food, sweet potato pie filler, things like that. Mm-hmm. What's your end market? What's the end market for all your grain? Uh, everything around here on the corn side is all chicken uh, feed mill. Mm-hmm. So Mount Air Farms mm-hmm. and Purdue Farms, mostly Mount Air Farms. Frankfort, Delaware is where we go with about a half a million bushels a year of corn. Okay. 
Um, our soybeans all get shipped to Salisbury. Mm-hmm. We, we truck them down to Purdue uh, to their crush plant in Salisbury. Uh, we grow the high, well, they're plenished soybeans, so mm-hmm. they're a, a little higher oil, I guess, sure, yeah. quality oil. So they all go to Purdue, and all of our wheat goes north to Pennsylvania to the flour mills. Got it. So got it. if it's all good quality, it'll all go north. That's the plan. Got it, got it, got it. Um, and I see you have an extensive storage system here, storage facilities here. Yeah. So, so I'm assuming that you take a lot of a lot of grain from neighboring farmers. Then no, that's mostly all our. Is own that grain. mostly yours? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we have um, a little over three quarters of a million bushels of wow. storage capacity here on at our farm, um, and we'll fill that with our own stuff. Right now, we've got wheat, uh, maybe 140,000 bushels of wheat back there in storage, and wow. that'll go out in uh, January, February, March. A little bit of corn, a little bit of soybeans left to ship here before the harvest starts, and then we'll fill everything back up cool. come fall here if everything goes well. <laughs> cool, man. Cool. Um, and you just had a hurricane that came in through here. Yeah, nor- well, a tropical storm, I guess. Yeah. 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 How, how, how did your crops, how do you think your crops held up? Uh, so I guess um, in terms of the row crops, it was a, it was a good thing. Mm-hmm. The rain is, seems to make grain this mm-hmm. time of the year. Um, we're on sandy soils, very well drained, uh, so it's hard to get too much rain this time of the year when it's sure. 90 degrees. Uh, the potatoes don't care for the moisture. It's better to be a drought yeah. and grow potatoes under pivots than uh, sure. than have uncontrolled, unregulated amounts of rain. Sure. So it was a mix. It's it's you're glad to see it on the grain and not on the on the corn and soybeans, <laughs> or you, not on the potatoes, I should say. Um, Anyway, you two from locally from the area, but then you went to university out in Iowa. Am I yeah, correct? I went to Iowa State University. Okay. Not University of Iowa. Okay. Iowa State. Got it. No, 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 no. <laughs> nope. No. I better. I better make sure that uh, I won't be legit if I don't have that. If I don't put yeah, that in yeah, there. Yeah. Um, out in Ames, then. Yeah. So that's went to Iowa State in Ames for a, uh, a bachelor's degree in ag systems technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called ag and biosystems engineering now. So, yeah, spent four years out there um, and uh, worked for a local farmer and learned a tremendous amount and had a great time. So did you, did you, um, did you grow up on a farm then out here? Uh, my family had, um, had a vegetable uh, canning operation mm-hmm. and had a large um, beef herd uh, for over 100 years mm-hmm. in Sussex County, Delaware. So I'm probably, I guess I'm the... The, the fifth generation to be involved in ag. Now that um, that whole operation closed down. I think in two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. I think I was still in high school, and that they shut that down. So wow. kind of completely got out of farming. Uh, sold all the beef cows, um, rented the land out that they owned, and gave up everything that they didn't own. Wow. So wow. my family's been in ag. Some of the land that I farm now is owned by the family. Okay. Yep. Okay. Ashley, do you have a farm background? Yeah, my dad farmed about 2,500 acres. You can come over here next to the microphone here. So what um, what kind of farming was it? Just corn and soybeans then? Was it, was it a grain operation? Just, yeah, corn, beans, wheat, barley. Okay. He Lima did grow beans. a little bit of vegetables, lima beans and cucumbers at one point. Okay. Um, but I did not have as active ever, as a role on that as I do here <laughs> growing up. So seeing your seeing your family farm then um, essentially, and at least the original family farm. So what what made you want to continue in farming then? If you saw that disappear and you wanted to continue in farming, uh, it's just it's something that I've always 
taken a lot of interest in. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I knew I'd be involved in ag at, in some way, shape, or form. Almost right. stayed in Iowa. Right. And uh, was encouraged actually by my employer to to go home and make a go of something on my own. Yeah. So a lot of uh, I I appreciate his his advice on that deal. <laughs> it worked out well. And actually, you originally wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. That's how it worked out. Well, that's what I did for five years was teaching and then switched that after we had our second daughter. So 2011 is when I jumped on board here uh, part-time, and then it's just my role has increased over the years to now it's full-time. Full-time and with so four kids. even time, time and a half. Time yeah. and a half. <laughs> And with four kids, you guys have two daughters and two and two boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ten years and younger. Wow. Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Eleven years and younger. Yeah. yeah. As I understand, you have the, the second, the third boy, I'm sorry, the third child, so that would be the first boy, yes. right? Am I correct? Yeah. He's the one that's really into farming then. He's going to be the future. I, they all take interest in it. They all take interest. Yeah, they all do. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully somebody will maybe take interest in it. I think, I think they will. That's awesome. So let's go back to the beginning then of when you actually started this operation. So did you, ha, t- tell me about the origins of this operation. Uh, so I guess, so I graduated in 06. Um, I actually part-time worked for my father-in-law who was mm-hmm. farming at that time. Um, and I had, uh, there was a local farmer that that lived and his home farm was quite a ways away from where we are right here, but he had a farm local to us right now and he wanted to rent it out. And uh, he actually approached my father-in-law about renting it. And, uh, my father-in-law offered it to me. So that was the, the first, it was 225 acres with a couple of pivot irrigations on it. That was the first piece of ground, uh, that we were able to pick up. And that was, I think in 07. Um, and then 08, uh, there was a farmer that that uh, that quit in the area, and that uh, freed up some land. Um, so we we were able to pick up a few other pieces, um, and just sort of grew a little bit every year. Uh, we've we've rented some land off the state of Delaware. It's um, stuff that's in like a wildlife habitat uh, around the edges of the farms and things like that. Um, we own between my wife and I. We've been able to buy around a thousand acres of land here mm-hmm. in eastern Kent County. My wife and I and, and my father-in-law is a partner in one farm. My mother's a partner in one piece of land that we bought. So about the time we were kind of really getting into it, the housing boom went bust mm-hmm. in, I guess, what, eight, nine? Eight, nine, yeah. yeah. That would have been right around the recession there. Yeah, the that's kind of when things went south. So land in our area uh, became owned by banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, developers bought it. Uh, couldn't make it couldn't make it work and they gave it up and the banks ended up owning it and that that gave us some great opportunity to buy land and we were in a pretty good time in ag then you know we mm-hmm. had some pretty high grain prices yep. um, and we could make we that was could, that was during a time of what six seven dollar corn if yeah, not even we, more than that. yeah we had some five six seven dollar corn in, mm-hmm. in those years and um, you know we could make uh, mortgage payments cash flow fairly well mm-hmm. um, so it gave us some opportunity and I think all but one of the farms that we bought had been farms that banks had taken back from land developers wow um, so land that was selling in 05, 06 for fifty forty thousand dollars an acre you know we were able to 
buy some of that stuff back for four or five, six thousand dollars. That's great. That's great. And That's great. Uh, you know, make it work. And it's uh, it's been a great it's been a great op- we were blessed with that opportunity. You know. With grain prices and things the way they are now, that's much harder to, to that's much harder to pencil out. Sure, sure, to make sure. That cash flow, but did, did did that did that work out in a business plan that you that you sort of? Uh, I mean, did did you guys have like a a, a business plan that you started out with? I mean, did you have a plan for the long term? No, uh-uh. no, we don't plan very far. <laughs> no, uh, it, you know, it was opportunity that that presented itself and. We thought it would work to capitalize on it, mm-hmm. and that was really that. That was the plan, you know, to seize opportunity and and uh, and try to build something from kind of where there wasn't anything. You mm-hmm. know, where, where we really didn't have much but some rented land, and so now we've got a nice buffer of stuff that we own. That's you know, it's it's ours. You know, hopefully it'll be our kids someday. It 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 is sort of protected uh, our operation from some outside developers. Mm-hmm. Um, so and hopefully in the long run it works out to be a good investment. I think it will. I think our area is just it's going to continue to grow uh, in terms of housing and commercial and residential properties. So mm-hmm. um, land values here have you know have come back quite a bit from where they were in sure. those years. Yeah, um, stuff now brings closer to ten, eleven thousand dollars an acre probably. Wow. Wow. Do you think it'll ever get to the point where it's forty, fifty, sixty thousand? You know, I I don't know. That's hard to say. <laughs> I, I I think it will. Maybe not in my lifetime, but right. it will. I mean, we're twenty five miles from some of the best beaches on the East Coast. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say that it won't get there. Yeah, you know, we've yeah. done some land preservation. Um, we just put a farm in uh, in a permanent easement with uh, the state of Delaware, so it can't be developed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done a little bit of that as well to protect. Um, some of the land around here. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your about your land management. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about the about the uh, about the crop management, things you do out in the field, uh, no till, tillage, all that sort of thing. So most all uh, most I guess all of our irrigated corn, um, well, most all of our irrigated corn we strip till. So um, usually a cover crop in the winter time, um, and then we run a strip tiller in the spring to put on. Uh, about a third of our N, um, all of our uh, K, all of our potassium, mm-hmm. um, and then our dry land corn acres are mostly all no-tilled mm-hmm. um, into a green cover crop. Mm-hmm. This is our second year for doing that, so we'll fly on or ground apply wheat mm-hmm. um, and some radishes and occasionally clover mm-hmm. in the fall um, and then go into that in the spring with the planter. Mm-hmm. So. Our soybeans um, are all no-tilled, uh, full season, and then of course our double crop beans are are planted right into wheat stubble mm-hmm. after the combine goes through. Mm-hmm. When did you start potatoes? Um, we've been in the potato business now for maybe six, seven years, something like that. We okay. started out very small. Um, what was the thinking behind that? Well, there's some other there's there's other potato producers in the area. Um, I, you know, it, it appeared that they were having success with it. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's something that we saw. Our land was very suitable for mm-hmm. growing potatoes. It's well-drained and irrigated, sandier land. Um, and it, it looked like something that would work well. Um, at that time, we weren't overloaded on a work schedule with a row crop. And, and potatoes kind of fell early in the spring before we planted our row crops. And then harvest was after our wheat was out in 
uh, middle of July through the end of August. So kind of, it was a workload that fit uh, our schedule very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was good friends with a uh, another young guy that was about my age that had come from a potato farm. His family had a potato operation, um, probably for 40, 50 years around here. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sort of dissolved that. Um, and then I was able to work with him the first few years. Uh, he had a lot of the experience, and then I had the land, and we, we actually partnered up and grew potatoes together in a partnership for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of both went our separate ways, and he grows potatoes now, and I grow potatoes now as well. So <laughs> we kind of learned off each other a little bit to begin with, and it's uh, it's fit good. It started out as a small thing. My first year growing them on my own, I had 40 acres, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of grown to match demand. Um in, over the last five or six years. And then you got into some sweet potatoes, too. Yeah, the sweet potato program started up with um, with Hanover Foods. Uh, they were looking for locally grown, uh, closer to the processing plant sweet potatoes. And they wanted something that was green so it hadn't come out of a storage shed, so it didn't have a thick skin on it because uh, they peel the skin off. So the less skin is the less uh, less product that they have to throw away. Mm-hmm. Um so we had most of the equipment needed to get into that uh, program just from our potato operation. So mm-hmm. it was a fairly easy transition. Um, we had very little equipment needed to be purchased. And again, it kind of fell in a window where we weren't overloaded with other crops. So it's planted a little later in the spring after the corn and soybeans and potatoes are planted and before we start harvesting the wheat. So we get it planted early and then they, they sort of grow themselves until you harvest them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, um, you wouldn't think that Delaware is a really big area for potatoes. I mean, you think that, you know, Pennsylvania obviously yeah. has had a lot of potatoes. That's if they've had a history of potato. Maine, and I only mentioned Maine because they're part of the reading area here. But um, talk a little bit about, talk a little bit about, again, about, about, about why these soils are so good for potatoes. They're, they're well-drained, all that sort yeah, of thing. So they're, they're sandy, so they, they drain well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're fairly level, flat, and, mm-hmm. we're, and we're really mostly irrigated. So we don't get a lot of rain in the summertime. You know, we mostly supplement with irrigation, so that, that sort of helps that crop grow. And then also we have a good window for potatoes because uh, there's not a lot of other areas harvesting when mm-hmm. we are. So potatoes that go right directly to the supermarket, to the grocery store, um, they're fresh. You know, they're not going into storage. They're not coming out of storage. They're they're right from the field, you know, within a few days they're on the shelf of a grocery store. So, you know, Virginia and uh, North Carolina kind of get their crop out of the window, uh, out of the way before we start. And then uh, we have a nice window where there's not a lot of other areas producing local. You know, they, there's maybe some out west quite a ways further, but of course the freight, you know, we gives us an advantage over some of those other areas sure. where freight's really gotten very expensive in the last five, seven years. Absolutely. I always ask this of people, or I try to ask this of people who are on this podcast as many, you know, as much as I can. Um, you know, I, I always try to try to dig into, um, you know, some of the things that you as a as pretty successful guy, you and your wife, pretty successful farmers at this point, um, try to dig into some of the things that, that have made you successful, some of the things, decisions that you've made mm-hmm. that you think have really um, influenced your success. So what are some of the, give me some of maybe like the top three, four or five things that you think that you've done that have really contributed to, to this operation and you being so successful at this point? Well, yeah, I guess 
you know, looking at things that we've done that have helped, you know, our grain storage facility around here is, is key. Mm -hmm. um, you know, probably, I, I would say that's probably second. Number one is, is irrigation. You know, in, in our area, we can grow a great crop if we can supply rainfall during the summer. And obviously, irrigation is the way to do that. So when we started out, you know, really our focus was either either renting land and installing irrigation on it, trying to rent land that had irrigation currently on it, and really focusing on, on, on that to just limit the risk. Uh, you know, it seemed like the first few years we farmed, I guess, on our own, uh, everything that wasn't irrigated burned up and died. Right. And I just thought that was the way it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we definitely didn't want any more of that than we absolutely had to have. Sure. You know, so, so we've, we've got, I think, 45 pivots now. Um, wow, most, pivots are most of those we've installed ourselves, mm -hmm. we own. Uh, few are owned by landowners. Uh, few are owned by other farmers that we till their farm. Mm -hmm. Is so, it because now irrigation down this area? And I just want to interrupt real quick. But irrigation down this area is it, is it successful because of the low water table here? I mean, is that why you know a lot no, of guys it's do successful because our ground is so sandy. Okay, and, and you know we're always two weeks away from a from a dire drought. Right, we can get two inches of rain, and in in ten days, we're, our crops are burning up. Got it. So I mean, that's our biggest risk you know, is, is, uh, the lack of rainfall during key times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, crops, vegetable crops and things like that, you don't even, you wouldn't even grow them outside of a pivot, you know, our mm -hmm. potatoes, we stop planting when we get outside of the circle. Right. Um, it's just too much risk. So that, you know, by limiting that risk and keeping, you know, we, we, we can, we can contract our crops because we know we're going to produce them or we feel very confident that we're going to produce them. Where if we, if we were mostly dry land, that that's a tougher, that's, you know, that's a tougher number to, to come up with. Yes. So the, the, you know, the grain storage facility has helped with that. And then just, you know, I mean, we, we work very hard. <laughs> that, that has helped uh, probably too hard at times. But, yeah. you know, we, we push and we get done what we need to get done. And we make, we really try to make things happen. If yeah. we want it to happen, we do everything we can to, to do that. So How many employees do you have? Oh, uh, let's see. Right now we have, uh, I guess I got seven, eight guys full time, mm -hmm. my wife and I, and then some part time help also. And then you also bring up some H2A help from South Africa. Then, yeah, we've on got, your potatoes. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, started out with four, have three uh, H2A guys, uh, South African skilled labor guys. You've been successful in this business. You're doing really, really well for yourself. Um, you know, for someone coming into this business, um, or for someone who is struggling and uh, and really wants to make go of it in the commodities part of it, because you know you are straight commodities here. I mean, what do you think are the success? What was kind? Of, what's the kind of advice do you actually give that that uh, that person, particularly a young person that wants to be successful in this business? Yes, you know, I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to deny it's one of the best ways I've found to do it is look at what other people are doing that they find success in yeah. do the same thing. Uh, that's, that seems to work well. You know, you look, you look around and go, gosh, who's really making this deal work and what's he doing to do that? And then, you know, you start to find out why he's doing it the way he's doing it. So, you know, just looking at other successful people and, and learning from them, you mm -hmm. know, sometimes you got to stick your neck out and try something that nobody else is doing, but, um, you know, it's, it's all a measure of risk, I guess. Yeah, that's what the potatoes kind of were for us. You know, it was very risky, but we felt in a small way we could, we could sort of hang our neck out 
you know, we knew we had the grain side to back us up. Commodity prices were good at that time. So, you know, we started out with something small and saw success in it and kind of built it from there. So, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't go all in hog wild to begin with. You know, so we just drove it a little bit out there to make sure it worked. Yeah. And the great thing, you know, talking to you here, um, and I'm already getting the sense that, you know, when you see an opportunity, you go for it. Yeah, that's, the, you know, that's for sure. I mean, we're, I guess, I don't want to say we're pulling back a little bit now, but we really, you know, we've, we've reached a workload and a size that is, is, you know, is, is well fitted. We can, we feel that we can manage this size well, you know, you start to get, uh, oh, I've seen it when, you know, we didn't have the right labor and, and, and good labor, you know, you start to lose that management ability because you're just going so many different directions. And then, you know, the most important thing we can do is grow a big crop and a good crop and, and market it right. So you've really got to manage, you know, manage it for that. Um, so it's been, that's kind of how we've approached it. Sure, sure. All right. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Yep. I appreciate you it. Yep. No problem. Thank now we're you. off on the tractor. We're going to go for a ride then. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go. See if we can dig some russets here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I said in the intro, Brandon and Ashley were named Outstanding Young Farmers early, earlier this year by the uh, Outstanding Farmers of America organization. You can read about that award and see pictures from the award ceremony held in Connecticut in February at OFAFraternity.org. That's O-F-A-F-R-A-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y. Thanks for listening to the podcast this week, and we'll see you next time.